Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross, and joining me as always is Josh Julie. How are we doing today, Josh, on this lovely Monday? Uh, it's Monday, man. You said it. That's about all that needs to be said. But looking forward to the pod, looking forward to discussing uh, a big weekend and some uh, recruiting news. Absolutely. And if you follow Ohio State News in any way, shape, or form, as obviously you are, you've been inundated with recruiting content from this past weekend. It was clearly the first first big weekend once this uh, dead period came to an end. Ohio State had a bunch of their current commits on campus, as well as a bunch of big names of uncommitted guys, some four and five stars all across the board. So it was a big weekend. Lots of, uh, lots of talk about lots to come out of it. And so, you know, we wanted to do a little bit a little bit different. I had topped on a podcast today, which had, had come out on Monday, if you could go check that out, uh, talking about recruiting more specifically, you know, some of the guys that were on campus, the, the who is who of what was going on this past weekend. But we kind of want to look at, you know, Ohio State as a whole, their roster, what we think they need to improve on, what we think some of their strengths are, and kind of frame that along the talk of recruiting this past weekend and moving forward this summer as all these guys come in for their visits. And so... You know, starting with the strengths, obviously Ohio State is coming off of a season where they, they went to the national championship. They obviously lost to Alabama, but they, they were a team that had it, had its strengths, and they were a team, you know, for a national championship team, it was a team that definitely had its weaknesses and ones that we had, had seen mostly throughout the year, and they really reared its ugly head towards the end and led to that loss against Alabama. But they were a good team. They made it to the national title game, and so obviously a team like that has its strengths. And so, you know, I don't know about you, Josh. I think one of the biggest strengths, and it's weird to say, I don't know if there are many programs in the country that could lose a generational talent like Justin Fields to the NFL draft and then come back the next year and say that, you know, moving forward quarterback is one of their biggest strengths. But I think that room is one of the, you know, obviously that and wide receiver are two of the strongest rooms coming back at Ohio State between the current roster and the guys they have coming in in these next two recruiting classes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think those are the two obvious ones. You know, it's, it's almost as if they are too well set up. You know, with all the talent we have those t- in those two rooms, excuse me, um, there's always this talk of, hey, who's not going to stick around? Who's going to transfer next? It's way too early to really get into any of that, in my opinion. But, yeah, those two ro- rooms are loaded for seasons to come, five stars all over the place. And it's not just a guy here, a guy there. It's the depth. Um CJ, Jack Miller, Kyle McCord, Quinn Ewers, all in the picture at quarterback. Wide receiver, there are too many of them to name, and it's just been a factory since Brian Hartline's been back with the Buckeyes. So, yeah, no disagreements whatsoever. Those two rooms I have absolutely zero concern for with the exception of are we going to be able to keep all those guys happy and keep them around yeah for sure I I think there is you know one of those quarterbacks is probably going to wind up transferring there's just there's only one ball there's only one guy that could start a quarterback but like you said they got CJ Stroud Jack Miller and Kyle McCord all competing for the job this year I'm sure one of those guys is going to be great I'm sure you know two of them will probably stick around one is the backup one is a starter and maybe one of them will will pursue other opportunities but then next year there's going to be a new competition when Queen Ewers comes to town the number one quarterback number one overall recruit in the 2022 class you know he's more higher rated coming out of high school than even Trevor Lawrence so that's a guy that you know from the moment he steps on campus even if Ohio State maybe goes to the playoffs this year that could be a guy that could maybe unseat the starting quarterback next year once he comes in so that is a guy that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. He's got the mullet. He's got he's got you know the, the bravado. He's got it all working as, as, to go along with the arm talent. So that'll be a fun guy to see in Columbus. And then oh, moving over to the wide receiver room, like you said, there's almost too many guys to name. Obviously, you have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson returning, one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver duo in college football for 2021. And then you also have guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., Jaden Ballard, and all these other big names coming in 
as well as, you know, Emeka Egbuka, the five-star wide receiver, number one wide receiver in the class in 2021. So Brian Harline has done a fantastic job of restocking his room, and he's continued that into 2022 as he's landed the number one wide receiver again in Caleb Burton, as well as Kion Grays, so, and who's a uh, high four-star. So the wide receiver talent is through the roof. That room, you know, we even saw... Jamison Williams, who would probably be, you know, the number one option at, at any school that isn't Ohio State, Alabama, or Clemson. Uh, we, the Ohio State wound up in a spot where he wasn't even going to get much playing time. So when your room is that stacked, uh, it's pretty nuts. And so, yeah, like you said, there's really there's no reason to worry about either of those positions. And I think another position to look at um, that that's really starting to to fill up the room is running back. Yeah, especially with Travion coming in and um, and uh, Everett Pryor. His name was escaping me for a second. Those skill positions as a whole, um, I mean, you could go up and down the roster and you take those three skill positions and put them up against any other school in America. And I think there's a case to be made that Ohio State is number one. Your Alabamas, your Clemsons, even Georgia and schools like that, they're, they've got their own fair share of talent. But if you just look at those three, the pedigree, the stars on the recruits coming in, uh, like you said, running back with the addition of Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor, joining the guys that have already been there, they have some experience. Um, It's not as if Ohio State doesn't need to recruit those positions because you're always reloading. There's always the potential that a guy is not going to work out. They're going to seek opportunities elsewhere, like you mentioned earlier, but really at this point, it's almost just layering. It's adding depth. It's going out and maybe you shoot after one blue chip or two blue chip guys at the position and then let the chip, the rest of the chips fall where they may. Absolutely. And, you know, they brought in Henderson, who was the number one running back in the 2021 class. They brought in Pryor, who's more of an all-purpose back, a guy that could catch passes out of the backfield. And that's good because, you know, everyone knows Ohio State lost Trey Sermon to the NFL draft. He went to the 49ers. He came on late for Ohio State last season and really played a pivotal role in that offense. And it was a shame that he went down so early in the national championship on one of his very first carries. Uh, they, They sorely missed him. But they're also, you know, Ohio State's still bringing back Master Teague, who had a bit of a, a bumpy road last year, but he's shown flashes that he could be a really solid running back for them. They also brought back Mayan Williams, who I'm a, a big fan of, who came into Ohio State as kind of a, a lower-tier recruit, but in, in his very limited time, he's shown some great flashes as well. So, so that You are the back. president of the Mayan Williams fan club, I think. Absolutely. I love Mayan Williams. I, I've been calling for him to start this next year, and I think it'll be interesting to see who does wind up starting. I think it will be just, you know, they might start out the season with Master Teague based on uh, seniority, but I think guys like Henderson and Williams both have a chance to play significant roles for Ohio State in the backfield this year. So yeah, I'm definitely president of the Mayan Williams Hive. I love that kid, uh, the meatball, as he's been affectionately named. So I'm excited for what they're going to do back there. And, uh, you know, but like the quarterback position, whoever winds up going out there as a starter, I think is going to be very, very good. So Ohio State's offense should be humming this year, but you know, as one of their issues we saw last year, it's the defense where some of the the concerns start to creep in, and that's where you know these big recruiting weekends are, are really important for restocking on that side of the ball, and especially in the secondary and somewhat along the defensive line, uh, and and in linebacker, really all three levels. Ohio State could continue to see an influx in talent here, and it's something that they're, they're they've clearly emphasized. They've got a bunch of guys coming in, but the defense last year was certainly not up to par with what we're used to seeing at Ohio State. Yeah, last year, especially by Ohio State standards, was a poor year. Um, Up front, they were obviously a little bit better and really struggled in the secondary. But those, and we'll get to them, but really all of the big needs for me 
with the exception of offensive line, are on that side of the ball. You know, I think the secondary, they need to retool. They did a great job, and, and I'm sure you'll touch on this. Our 2021 secondary class was great. A um, bunch of good guys coming in, and we've got the likes of Jordan Hancock and Ja'Kalen Johnson, who enrolled for the fall. They haven't even stepped foot on the practice field yet. So I think we're in a really good spot. But defensive back is one of those positions where I don't think you can ever have enough potential playmakers. Um, we saw that last year. The depth was thin. There was no one to really call on when guys got banged up or seemed to struggle throughout the year. So they need to continue to build on that. And it, it's sort of a retooling for me. I think that we kind of need to reset. Seven banks is set in stone. And some other guys got good experience last year, but I wouldn't be surprised if some of the 2021 freshmen get some real playing time this year. And we need to continue to attack 2022. Uh, I'm sure you're going to touch on some of the guys that were on campus and that we're looking at. Yeah, for sure. And you, you kind of nailed it right there. Just saying, you know, seven banks is really the only proven commodity there. And even he didn't have the greatest year, but they are expecting big things out of him. He didn't play bad by any stretch, but he wasn't, you know, the, the next Jeff Okuda that, you know, they were they were hyping him up to be in the offseason. So hopefully with a real... Yeah, Gene, so, sorry to backtrack real quick, though. I, I've seen seven banks potentially projected as a, a first-round draft pick, maybe somewhere in the teens. Before we get into the rest of the guys, what do you think about that? Do you think he has that potential to be the next guy? I think so. I think, you know, with a full offseason, you know, last year, it's hard to really get a true gauge of some of these guys, especially when you're a first-year starter like Seven Banks was. You know, they, they didn't have a real offseason practice schedule. It was, all, it was start and stop. They weren't going to have a season, then they were. And so you really missed a lot of that good offseason time where you could kind of get those reps in and really get prepared for a full season. So I think that played a big role in their, their passing offense being as bad as it was because they had lost Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett and Jordan Fuller and all these big names the year before. And now you're coming into a season where you're not fully prepared you don't have the full extent of your spring practices and all this stuff to get ready and I think it impacted them a lot you know Ohio State last year was ranked 122nd in the country in passing defense they allowed 304 passing yards per game which is just insane especially playing in the Big Ten where there aren't a ton of big passing offenses we saw when they played you know Michael Penix the best quarterback they played in the conference all season what he was able to do to them on defense and it just looked like a bunch of guys that were inexperienced out there and that's what they were so I think there's a ton of room for seven banks to take that next step I think there's a couple guys around him. You know, we Cam Brown went down early in the year with an ACL injury against Penn State. I think he could have been a big part of that secondary. We saw late in the year uh, freshman Lathan Ransom come on as like kind of a safety slot corner kind of hybrid player. Uh, Cam Martinez is another interesting guy that was previously on the roster that came in as a two-way player but seems to project as a defensive back. So I think they've got the guys out there to get it done. And like you said, they have a bunch of good guys coming in in 2021 in uh, Hancock and Johnson, who are both top five players at their position. So I think the secondary has room to be great. I don't think, you know, it might not be uh, another... Uh, Okuda Arnett duo out there, the next you know two first round NFL corners. Maybe Banks does develop into a first round corner before our eyes. I think that's very possible, but it's definitely going to be. I think it's definitely going to be an improvement, just solely on the fact that they'll have all these practices and all this time to actually fully prepare for what they know will be a full season this time around. Yeah, I'm with you. They need time to really practice, play, and develop. I think that that was the biggest hindrance to their success last year. And looking at the 2022 recruiting uh, landscape, we've got Jaheim Singletary already in the fold. He's committed. He's a five-star five, five star guy, top five 
to 10 cornerback in the country. A couple other guys, Kai Stokes, Jair Brown, and Ryan Turner, again, already committed. Uh, but the ones that I'm really excited about are the potential safeties. They were both on campus this past weekend. Xavier Nwangpa and Zion Branch, from what I've seen, from what I've read, they could maybe finally p- bring back that uh, that Malik Hooker-esque player that we've been missing in the back end, that center fielder, that playmaker who can fly to the ball, get interceptions, be a big hitter. So um, from what I read and from what I saw, again, those guys seem to enjoy their time on campus. And those are the two guys that I'm really excited about. And I'm hopeful that they're able to land one, if not both of those guys and again, bring back that big time playmaker uh, on the back end of the field. Yeah, for sure. And those were really two of the bigger names that we saw on campus this year, as far at this past weekend, as far as guys who were, you know, kind of trending towards Ohio State and guys that are realistic for landing. Nwangpa uh, has been kind of, you know, flirting with Ohio State for a while. But Branch came out of nowhere this this past weekend, and he has since picked up a bunch of crystal balls in favor of Ohio State. So, you know, he's he's the number forty nine player in the country, number four safety, and then Nwangpa is the number seventy one player in the country, number five safety. So, those are two really highly rated recruits in the safety position where Ohio State could use some help. You know, they had they have some interesting guys coming in in twenty twenty one. They have uh, Andre Tarantine, Jansen Dunn, guys like that at the safety position who could. I could play some big roles moving forward here, but they obviously keep on a restocking that room. Like you said, you can never have enough sec- uh, talent in the secondary. So, yeah, Branch and Wonka are definitely two big names to look out for moving forward. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them pulls the trigger before the end of the month. Uh, and like you said, it'd be great if they could land both. But obviously, you know, if you could get one, that's also great. And I think, you know, along the terms of guys, you know, big names at Ohio State's really, really trying to land from this past weekend. They, they would love to get all, everybody they had on campus this weekend. But another guy that was talked about a lot uh, was Amari Aber. And like you brought up, you know, defensive lines, maybe another area that Ohio State could use some extra talent. He's a five-star defensive end from Texas where Ohio State's had a bunch of recruiting success. Uh, he also seemed to really like his visit. He was talking about, you know, the different opportunities that Ohio State could afford him with the new NIL stuff coming on and just, you know, the type of coach Larry Johnson is to develop him. So he's a guy that talked really highly about Ohio State. And, you know, he's a he's one of these top national recruits. He's going to take his visits. He's going to be, you know, all over the place this, this next month or so. So I don't know how realistic it is that where he's at with Ohio State, but that's another big name that I would look out for moving forward if you're looking for, you know, that, that next top-of-the-line defensive end prospect. Yeah, and D-line was kind of second or or 2B on my list of biggest needs based off of last year's performance and upcoming need, you know, they could potentially be sneaky thin after this year. When you look at the depth chart, uh, the top two guys, with the exception of Sawyer, who I imagine is going to play and play early as a freshman, a lot of those guys are third and fourth and even fifth year guys. So if Zach Harrison has a great year, for example, and with Garrett leaving and um, Teron Vincent being in his fourth year, I think, and some of the other guys with the experience, they could turn over that whole position group pretty quickly. So, well, it's always been a strength or it's been a big time strength in recent years. We need to continue to, like I said, layer and build there because right now we have no defensive line commitments for 2022. I know that we're, in good standing with a number of them, including uh, Amari Avery had some really good things to say. Caden Curry out of right next door in Indiana. We're looking at him big time. But 
again, going back to the depth that we have right now, it could all flip very quickly. And for all the success that we've had developing guys there, we need to continue to bring them in and continue to develop them, which is not a big concern for me with Larry Johnson in the fold, at least for the next couple of years. And honestly, I wish you would coach here forever, but we need to stay aggressive at that position so that we don't have this mass exodus and sort of what we saw with the secondary last year, where all of these guys were good recruits. They were in the fold, they were in the program, but they've got no experience. We've got to continue to go after guys there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good point to bring up. Ohio State could wind up being a little thin here moving forward with, you know, they're hoping that Zach Harrison could take that next leap this year. And if that is the case, you know, he's he's a junior. He could be off to the NFL at the end of the year. Tyreek Smith, same story. He's another guy that with a big year, I think he's a senior this year too. So big year. He's probably NFL bound. Uh, you touched on Jack Sawyer, who I think is going to play a pretty pretty significant role on the defensive line this year. He's drawn no shortage of comparisons to the Boses and the, the type of player that He's going to come in and make a, a huge impact on defense right away. He was the number four overall commit in 2021, the number three defensive end, and the top player in Ohio. So that's a kid to really, you know, if there's one player from that 2021 class that's almost, you know, guaranteed to see playing time, I think it's him and probably Henderson on the other side of the ball. But yeah, you know, yeah. they they had they didn't really like you said. There's no defensive line commits in 2022 yet. Uh, as of right now, Jack Sawyer is the only defensive end commit in 2021. They are still trying to land JT Tuimalau, so we'll have to see how that situation plays out. And if they could land both of them, that would obviously be a huge influx of talent to that position. Uh, they did pretty well defensive tackle-wise in 2022. They were able to land both Tyleek Williams and Mike Hall, who are two pretty highly rated defensive tackles. And that's kind of a similar scenario with, you know, Haskell Garrett is almost definitely on his way out after this year. Uh, Teron Vincent is, is nearing the end of his Ohio State career. He still hasn't really shown his full extent of his potential with all the injuries he's sustained, but with a good year, he might be going off towards the next level as well. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting position group to look for. And you, you kind of touched on it. Ohio State's always been known for that defensive line, the the Chase Youngs, the Boses, these these guys that they're producing for the NFL. And that they're coming up on a point here where if they don't you know land some of these big names, they could be in a little bit of a transitional period at defensive line that we haven't seen in a little bit. Yeah, it's not a concern as of right now, but it's scary to think about or potentially concerning to think about in the future if all these guys do – do hit and the rotation is is great this year and they perform to their ability, then like we both touched on, it could flip really quickly. Um, you know, bringing JTT in, if we were able to get him, would make me feel a lot better about the situation because we would be bringing in then at least two and potentially four stud freshmen. Now, uh, if you bring in four guys and they all hit, then you've kind of you've brought in the equivalent of like a year and a half worth of top end recruits because to get four and hit on all of them in one class, it's rare, but it happens. So if we if we could bring in a top end talent like JTT, it would, I think, kind of reset the expectation for you know the the next year or two, and we could be a little more choosy in who we go after. But you touched on the D tackles as well. That's sort of always an underrated position, in my opinion. The ends get all the glory. Uh, they get all the hype, the, the youngs, the bosses like you touched on. But those guys in the, trench, in the trenches, Ohio State likes to rotate a lot. And defensive tackles, they're a different breed. They, their stamina is not always that of their kind of counterparts on the outside. So – that's another position where it's not as glamorous, sort of like the interior offensive line, 
but they have to go after the big ho- the, the hog mollies, as I would call them, there in the middle to make sure that they are not just set at pass rusher, but they're a balanced line that can hold up against the run as well. Yeah, for sure. And we saw, you know, firsthand how important that that interior defensive line is against Alabama when Tommy mm-hmm. Togiai, Ohio State's potentially best defensive lineman a year ago, was forced to miss the game of COVID. We saw how well Alabama was able to run the ball against Ohio State, something that, you know, they had they'd done a really good job of last year stopping the run. And then without Togiai, it didn't look quite as strong. And obviously, you know, the, the Alabama running game was much better than what Ohio State had seen the rest of the season. But, you know, even against Alabama, against the, uh, not against Alabama, even against Clemson, they were able to do a really good job stopping the run. So, Missing Togia was a big thing, and you know the defensive tackles don't get a ton of love. They don't fill the stat sheet, but they are a very important part of that defense, especially when it comes to stopping that run. And then just you know, kind of wrap up what we're looking for from the defense in terms of recruiting and kind of improvement. Uh, linebacker is going to be a little interesting. You know, they've lost, Ohio State lost all three of its starters from this past year, but I don't think there really expects to be much of a drop off with guys like Taraja Mitchell and Dallas Gant and those guys filling in. And then you know, in the 2021 class, they have. Uh, Reed Carico. Uh, Reed Carico coming in. Yep, Reed Carico coming in, interior defensive, uh, interior linebacker. And then in 2022 is where the really the big boys come in with, you know, CJ Hicks as a five star. Uh, Gabe Powers just earned his fifth star on Rivals today. So, you know, they've, they've got good guys coming in. They've got good guys on the roster who have been waiting a while to kind of get that that first chance as Pete Werner and Tough Portland played here for the last 47 years. So they, they've got guys that are itching to get on the field, and they're also going to be playing less linebackers. They're going to really be uh, – their base defense is only going to feature two linebackers on the field at once, so it's not a position where they need as much depth as they once did. But I think they have a lot of interesting guys who could see some playing time this year and guys coming in. So the, I think that position, you know, while it is a need, I think they're doing a really good job of addressing that in the, this last two recruiting classes. Yeah, I think it's a need pretty much by default. You touched on it half jokingly um, that they lost like 47 years of experience between the three starters and Justin Hilliard, who seemed like he was there for a decade. And I love Justin Hilliard. I, I hope he really gets a chance in the NFL. But I have confidence in Mitchell and Gant. I think that they've been in the program long enough and gotten some limited playing time. Uh, dropping into that kind of two linebacker system and those sets will help offset the the lack of experience there. But I'm excited about Hicks and Powers because if we are going to play more of that two linebacker defense, then we've already got two studs in the fold for 2022. So that's a, a really good start and building block to where you alluded to. It's not as much of a need as it was in the past when we're playing the three linebacker sets. So Again, by default, I think there's a need to continue to build depth and bring guys in, but I don't think we'll see a big-time drop-off. You know, Mitchell and Gant are both great athletes. Um, the Werner grew into a, a great athlete in his time at Ohio State, and for all the great things he did bring to the table, tough Borland, maybe not so much. It seems like Mitchell and Gant are those different kind of players, almost like a uh, – out of like a Darren Lee type that they can drop into coverage. They can do, they can maybe rush the passer and do some different things. So I'm excited to see those guys get on the field. And I'm probably even more excited for the following year to see what CJ Hicks and Gabe Powers could potentially bring to the table. For sure. And while we're on the topic of needs, you know, just kind of looking through the roster and glancing through it, there is kind of a position that's a little uh, maybe undervalued and maybe not talked about enough that Ohio state really does have a pretty huge need at actually. And that's a tight end. 
Um, we know all the good wide receivers they have out there, and so it kind of goes by the wayside because Ohio State doesn't use their tight ends like other schools. But it's still a really important position on the offense, especially when it comes to blocking and just you know some of those short, important dump-off passes in big scenarios. And you know, after Jeremy Ruckert, who I think is you know 110% going to the NFL after this next season, th- there's not a lot in that room, especially in proven talent. They have Cade Stover, who's a, a converted defensive end. Uh, they brought in one, only one tight end in 2021 in Sam Hart, who was a three-star out of Colorado. And they do have two guys already committed in 2022 in Benji Gosnell and Bennett Christian, who are both top 15 players at their position. But, you know, tight end is kind of a position that isn't talked about enough. But there is going to be, you know, a pretty pretty significant drop-off if some of these guys, you know, don't really, sit, like, find their, their way quickly uh, in this offense. they got a lot of young guys and a lot of unproven talent, but it's not a lot of, you know, there's, there, are, there's another five-star talent behind Jeremy Ruckert at tight end right now. Yeah, and, and you got to think about the way that we use them uh, as well. They are not always big-time pass catchers. I think Jeremy Ruckert's going to break the mold. I think he's a different kind of tight end, but they're called upon to be blockers. They're called upon to complete their assignment, take on those edge rushers, kind of help set the table with the offensive line, which I definitely want to get to along the same line, no pun intended. But you mentioned Bennett and Benji, both three-star guys. Sam Hart's a three-star guy. Um And we always seem to develop those guys in the way that we need to use them. But you, you nailed it. You know, we've lost experience. We've got Ruckert coming back and then we've got some converted guys playing a new position who have not seen the field. So it is sneaky. It's a little bit under the radar, like you alluded to. And while it's not the biggest weapon for Ohio state's offense, it's a very pivotal role because of the things that they're asked to do. Um, If they come in and they're not multifaceted, then you're constantly doing that rotation. You're playing the two tight end sets because one might be a stronger blocker than the other. So, yeah, I I agree with you. They need to continue to look at that position, see if there are some guys who they've not yet established contact with or may have some interest in Ohio State to bring in guys who are multifaceted, who can catch the ball and block equally as well and kind of follow in that next line of Ohio State tight ends. You know, look, we – we don't utilize that position a great deal. We definitely don't use it like a Kyle Pitts, for example, but they are integral in what we do. And we've developed some really good blockers who went on to have professional success. You know, Nick Vanette, Jeff Hireman, Luke Farrell was drafted this year. They obviously play a role and we develop them to fit a certain mold, but a diverse diversity in their skill set is really important. So they need to make sure that they don't bring in a lot. They need to make sure that they hit on those guys so that the depth is not in trouble or questioned down the road. To wrap up everything we've gone through, kind of hit the last position and along the same line talks of blocking, uh, we reached the offensive line where I wouldn't say it's it's a need per se, but it is an interesting position group to look at because they've got you know a good mix of, I'd say, these five-star blue-chip talents as well as some of these more project guys coming down the line. And so, you know, if you look at some of the guys they have on the roster now, obviously Thayer Munford and Nicholas Petit-Frere are both going to return at your offensive tackles, but those are two guys that are likely NFL-bound at the end of this next season. Uh, Paris Johnson, a five-star freshman from last year, is going to be playing guard this year just to try to get him on the field as much as possible, but he'll move out to tackle after this year, I would imagine. Uh, Obviously, they still have a couple other guys returning. They also brought in in 2022, they have uh, one of the top 
offensive guards in uh, Donovan Jackson out of Texas. He's actually the number one offensive guard in that class. Uh, they also brought in Ben Christman, who's kind of like a, a tackle guard hybrid. And then um, in 2022, they have Tegra Shibola coming in from in-state, and he's the only current committed uh, offensive lineman in that class. But they did have on campus this past weekend five-star Zach Rice. So Ohio State's still looking to land that that big five-star national offensive tackle that's kind of escaped their grasp these past few years. But uh, offensive line's going to be interesting to watch because there's going to be a lot of movement after this year, I think. And there there's a lot of room in this class still. It's only June, so there's a lot of time to kind of fill any of these positions that we've talked about that still have needs. But offensive lineman is, is an interesting one because of Ohio State's you know seeming, I wouldn't say a lack of success because they've had they've brought in guys and have been successful along the offensive line, but it just seems that that, that big five-star tackle has evaded them to this point, and maybe someone like Rice or an Emil Wagner and also in this class, an Ohio kid who I think will eventually wind up in this class, but they, they've got options. They're looking at some big names this year, and I like where the, the offensive line recruiting is headed, but it, it could definitely use some work still. Yeah, Coach uh, Stud Rawa, I just I say Coach Stud, I, I don't think he gets enough credit for the way that he develops guys. He is not thought of or seen as a recruiter on the level of a Brian Hartline or an Al Washington or even a Larry Johnson, but he gets the most out of his guys. You know, we consistently churn out NFL level talent and I think we'll continue to do so. It's really going to be a matter of getting the right guys in, guys who have some positional flexibility. Like you mentioned, Ben Christman, who is sort of a hybrid. It can potentially play one of two different spots. Um, but Coach Studd, he, de- he develops the guys really well. He just doesn't have that shine on him, I guess, as a recruiter like the others. So I, I was excited to see some of the things that Zach Rice had to say. Seems like he enjoyed his visit. Um, and you alluded to the fact that we have struck out in a sense on those national five stars, those guys out of state, you know, Paris Johnson was home. Emil Wagner is an Ohio guy. So to maybe go out there and get Zach Rice, or there's another kid, I think he's, uh, I think he's out of IMG. Tyler Booker is a guy that they're looking at. If they could bring in some talent from outside of Ohio and develop those guys on on par with the level that they've done in the past, then I think they're going to be fine the way that they have been in years past and I assume will be this year. Now, they do have good experience coming back. I'm really excited for Paris Johnson. I think he's going to get his feet wet at guard, and then I think he could easily kick out the tackle. That's what we brought him in to do. This year is just about getting him on the field along with a couple other guys, so – yeah, not a concern, but with only one guy in the class for 2022, we need to continue to look at opportunities and bring in guys who fit, fit the mold and can do some different things and maybe float around in positions like we've done in, in years past with, um, you know, Billy Price is a good example, Michael Jordan, guys like that. Harry Miller, even this past year, uh, didn't have the best year but he's proven to be very versatile. So to bring in guys like that, I think will be very advantageous for Ohio State moving forward and in, 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 in future years. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, Harry Miller and uh, Matt Jones will probably round out this year's offensive line, which I think will be a very a good offensive line. I think it has a chance to be even better than last year's. And behind them, there is some, there's some young guys. There's some, a lot of guys that has a lot of kind of project talent on their roster that they've kind of developed into guys that could really step up in these next couple of years. So, you know, they have, you know, Luke Whipler, who's a redshirt freshman. They've got, uh, they brought in Zen Mikulski as a, uh, in the 2021 class, who was kind of a late ad and a guy that's really shot up their recruiting rankings late in his process. Uh, Enoch Vamahi is another sophomore. Jacob James is a, is a redshirt freshman. Josh Fry, a redshirt freshman. So they, they've got they've got guys on the roster if they need them, and and guys that could you know make a leap in these next couple of years if they if they have to go that route. They have it's not like they're the room is barren. They've they've got some depth out there. Uh, their starters are obviously very good at pretty much across the board. Like you said, Harry Miller kind of struggled a bit last year, but it'll be interesting to see whether they have him uh, move back to his natural position of center or play guard. Uh, either way, like the defensive backs, I think another a full off season of practices will do him good, and I think he'll we'll see improvement from him. I mean, he was a he was a former five star prospect, so I think he has pretty high hopes on this offensive line. And even after losing. Uh, they're two, two of their best offensive linemen last year at the NFL draft. I think the offensive line has a chance to be even better. But I think we've pretty much touched on all the positions across the on the roster at this point. Is there any other big names in recruiting that you were kind of looking at or anything else that we may have missed while we were going through this that you wanted to, to add on? No, you know, I think we've touched on a lot of them. Um, the DBs especially. I hope that Ohio State continues to bring guys in. We've both said that you can never have enough talent in that room. And between the guys who are already committed and already there for 2021 and some of these guys that they're going at in the future, um, especially Jaheim Singletary, I want to see them continue to bring in that influx of talent to have depth at the positions. Um, But, you know, one of the things that we've – has been consistent throughout this pod is the potential for mass turnover. Um, it's going to happen at schools like Ohio state where you're going to have these occasional resets at position groups where guys just stick around. They're good players for two to three to four years. And, you know, especially at linebacker, there's a lot of turnover secondary. We're starting to see some turnover. There's potential on the lines. It's really about depth at this point. Ohio state does this to themselves in a good way you're always looking to bring in top-end talent at every position, and sometimes it's just not possible. Your your class is only so big each year between, you know, 20, 25 guys, whatever it is. And so not only do they have to replenish that depth on a consistent basis, but they've got to keep guys in the fold too. You know, the thing that I wanted to bring up is with the current landscape of college football, you can't just bring, bring guys in and be set and be complacent there because there are always these new transfer opportunities and there's a competition. It's seemingly every position you need to bring them in, get them some reps and really keep them content, keep them in the fold. So there's not one guy that um, we haven't really touched on outside of maybe Arch Manning, who I, I don't think would end up at Ohio state. It's just, it's interesting to hear the talk about him and see some of his clips online but um it's really about the totality of it all for me bringing in guys who are going to stick with the program fit the mold and be successful here and also be willing to put in the work and maybe they sit at a for a year or two they could go to 
Akron or Kent State or even a, a bigger Big Ten school, another conference even, and maybe see uh, playing time sooner. But it's just the the nature of the beast. The guys are going to come here and not get a, uh, an opportunity necessarily right away. So it's a depth, depth, depth. And that's what I would keep preaching. Not that these guys need to hear it from me, but the layering is going to continue to be important. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up kind of transfers and the, the new landscape of college football, as you put it, because I think that's something that could wind up, you know, even helping Ohio State down the line. We've seen Ryan Day be very successful in the transfer market, obviously with Justin Fields, but also with, you know, Jonah Jackson on the offensive line and Trey Sermon. So I think that's another route we could see Ohio State look if there is a recruiting miss these next couple of years, especially since it's become so easy now for kids to transfer. You know, they're still looking. You know, we've seen them uh, rumored for some linebackers this offseason, maybe a defensive back. It doesn't look like there's a ton of traction right now, so I don't know if any of that will wind up happening, but it's still an option. And so I think there is a chance that Ohio State could dip their toes into the transfer market a little bit in the future if there's a miss, say, at, you know, linebacker or corner or they need an offensive lineman in a pinch. And, you know, there's guys out there from schools that aren't very great that would love an opportunity to play at Ohio State. And if they're great players, I'm sure the coaching staff would love to have them. So it's a two-way street for sure. Like you said, they got to keep guys happy, especially, you know, the quarterback situation is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't think they're going to be able to keep all those guys on hand, but you do want to keep that depth. You want to have every room stocked just in case, uh, you know, a big name leaves. And it is another, it's another thing to worry about as a college football coach, but it's also another way that you could potentially make your roster even better. Yeah. I'm glad you touched on it and brought it up. Um, You know, it's kind of like the 51st state that you have to recruit now. It's not just the 50, um, you know, it's that transfer portal is that extra, that additional. And like you said, I think it could work to our favor. It doesn't have the stigma that it had in years past where guys had to sit out a year. They don't want to waste a year of their prime football playing career. And so great point by you. Some of the guys that have come in in the past, I'll be interested to see if they take that route more and more. We've seen other schools really hit it hard, go after potentially three, four, five, six uh, transfers to bring in to supplement or um, in place of their freshman class. So I know that Ohio State's going to work hard on that. I know that they, as a staff, are some of the best recruiters in the country, so it's not going to go forgotten um, or unlooked at. I think that you'll see it more and more, not just at Ohio State, but across the nation. It's going to be something that happens with regularity and hope it, hopefully it works out to our favor and not so much to our detriment where we're losing more guys than we're, we're getting in a class or via transfer. Yeah, I mean, so far across the board, it seemed more of like a rich get richer situation. You know, we've seen, you know, Alabama got got uh, Jamison Williams. We've seen Georgia bring in some big name transfers, LSU, Clemson, all these guys that are picking up some transfers along. They're basically just picking and choosing some guys from smaller schools and getting them to to join the big boys. So I do think it'll it'll be more of a benefit to Ohio State than a detriment. But I guess we'll just only time will tell. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But I think, you know. Other than that, I think we've touched on a bunch. I didn't want to come in here and get you guys more just recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. So I'm glad we kind of were able to frame it in a different way and kind of talk about Ohio State's roster construction and what we think they need moving forward as a whole. I'm sure the month of June is going to be filled with a ton of recruiting talk. That is the hot topic right now. That's the main thing going on with all these kids across the country making their visits. And so I'm sure there'll be more of this moving forward. I'm sure there'll be a bunch of stuff to talk about. Hopefully there's some uh, commitments to talk about in the near future. We'll touch on that as well. But Yeah, and I got to give you – I got to jump in and give you and Matt credit on the dotted line pod. I think you guys did a great job of kind of summarizing 
where we're at and some of the things that happened this weekend. I'll be definitely following that pod, obviously, um, on land grant. But again, I, I think you guys did a great job there and brought some really good things to the table. Yeah, definitely be sure if you're interested in Ohio State recruiting, definitely be sure to check that out. Matt actually also had a conversation with uh, Ohio State commit Tegra Shibola, and he gave his insight on the recruiting weekend and, you know, kind of what what went on, what he saw, why he was so. He he put out a nice video thanking the coaching staff for having him out there. He seems like a really good kid, so definitely be sure to check that out. Um, That'll be more of our recruiting-focused podcast, whereas this will be more just general Ohio State news and whatever whatever we got going on, whatever we feel like talking about that week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the pod. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. Josh, where could they find you? Uh, they can find me, J. Dooley Buckeye, on Twitter. And I put up a couple columns a week on the website. Uh, I've been doing a kind of a Wednesday series, Forgotten Buckeyes. And uh, I appreciate the positive feedback I've gotten on that from people where we look at kind of less heralded or um, under the radar guys who were really integral to Ohio State success, whether it was a bowl game or a national title run or something like that. I go back and look at a position group per week and just so, sort of identify some guys who um, aren't always remembered for the plaques and everything they have at the Woody, but that uh, were really important in Ohio State lore. And uh, this past week we did Ricky Dudley at tight end and working on offensive line this week. So uh, hopefully you guys will check that out. Yep, that's been a really fun series, so be sure to check that out. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Gene underscore Ross23, and you know, I write my various pieces at Land Grant as well. I'm kind of more a little all over the board these days, but you know, you'll, you'll see me there from time to time. So uh, for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross. Thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to you know rate, review, all that great stuff wherever you find your podcasts, and we will see you next week.